Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 32, we will um, hopefully polish this off today, and then next week, 33 and 34, which will conclude the book of Deuteronomy. I think it's been an exciting and rewarding study. I'm kind of almost sad to see it go, but I'm kind of uh, already looking forward to the next study. I get like that, so... But we'll, we'll finish with a flourish. We won't like hurry up and get it done so we can get on. I'm not a person to do that, you know what I mean? So uh, let's, without any further ado, let's pray. Let's beseech God's blessing on our time in His Word. Uh, Father, it is Your Word. And, you know, we're those who, look, I mean, look, there's a lot of places we could be today and a lot of things we could be doing. We've taken the time to be here to listen to your word, Lord, to, to be blessed by it, to grow by it. It really is our daily bread, Lord. We take it uh, very seriously. And we would, Lord, that you take this opportunity to speak to our hearts. Give us our portion. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, chapter 32, it kind of starts, or I don't know if I want to put it that way. There's a kind of a, a prelude to it. Uh, God calls him and says, I want you to write this song, and he gives him the song. Uh, verse 22, Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Verse 27, For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. So that's the, the basis for this beautiful, I say beautiful, I can appreciate art and literature and poetry, although like most guys, I'm a troglodyte. I, you know, I, I don't write poetry. I don't, none of my hairy-faced friends do. Um, you know, what we can appreciate phrases and, and things and ideas put together in such a way. But I, I'm not going to teach you about poetry this morning. I'm going to just teach you about the Word of God. And, and like, it, it's, it's full of, it, it's, an art, it's, it's an artwork. And many people who like this sort of thing, you know, praise for its structure, for its this and for its that. And I'm just, if you're like, want somebody to expound on that, you've come to the wrong place. I'm not that guy. But what we will do, we'll talk about its content in a way that I think will be a beneficial to us. Okay, give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my, of my mouth. So Moses first calls heaven and earth as witnesses. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. You know, you, we think about uh, the Word of God. It's like the rain that, you know, comes from heaven. It'll perform, its, it'll accomplish its purpose. And we look for another verse where God, God says, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust. God's blessing flows to people who deserve it better than others, if I could put it that way. But God's Everyone gets some blessing just from being on the earth. <clears throat> because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. 
you could read there justice, a God of truth and without iniquity. You could read there favoritism. Just and right is he. Uh, so the first four verses, you know, expound and the, the, uh, the Lord, they, they, they magnify him and talk about his greatness. And then it changes, and it changes in a hurry. They, okay, he, wonderful, great, he's a rock, he's, he's true, he's, he doesn't play favorites, he's, he's, uh, he's just, uh, and, and, and all this. Now verse 5, they, ugh, they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. You get, we get perverse and crooked generation. What is that so their spot is not the spot of his children? I think it's talking about a pagan where they tattooed themselves or colored themselves in such a way that said, I belong to this God, I belong to this God. Uh, the, the way they've colored themselves, so to speak, with, with tattoo or by some marking, that's, it's not the, it's not, they're not saying, yeah, God is our God. Okay? Uh, and I'm not making a comment on tattoos or anything. I'm just saying that's what I think it's talking about as I was reading in several uh, commentaries. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Uh, is this the way you repay the Lord? Requite is the, is the word, the King James word. Is this how you repay the Lord? Oh, foolish people and unwise. You know, can I say something? Uh, one of the questions Wednesday night, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I said, what is, how did you find fool scripturally? It's not somebody who's wanting uh, mentally. It's somebody who's wanting morally. Somebody who's morally deficient. The morally deficient person has said in his heart, there is no God. Now here, do you thus repay the Lord? Oh, foolish people. He's, he's calling them unrighteous. He's not calling them stupid. Just wants you to know. Uh, is this how you repay the Lord, O oh, foolish people and unwise? How are you wise? Well, you take the word of God and you read it, you study it, you apply it to your life. That's very wise. And the, the word says that time and time and time again. What's unwise? I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do my own thing. Welcome to my life, by the way. I teach the Word, and very often people tell me why the Word doesn't apply to them. <sighs> yes, you're the exception. God put that verse down, but he, was, he should have put you in the margin as, well, when you, when you preach this, don't talk to this one because they're the exception, right? I, I say, it's unwise. It's unwise. When we, we look at the Word and we try to, uh, yeah, I know it's talking about this, it's talking about this, but me and God, we have this understanding, or whatever. How do you pray the Lord? Uh, you're foolish, you're unwise. Is not he thy father that hath brought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old. We're often called on Scripture to remember the days of old. Remember, 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 remember. If we had better memories, I think we'd do very well. What do you put in this computer? Well, if you put in, it's like garbage in, garbage out. But again, you, we're, we're studying the Word of God. We're, we're, we're putting good things in there. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee. 
when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Okay, you're a special people of the Lord. He, he brought you out of all the nations. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. If you've ever seen, uh, I've, I've promoted this in the past, the real Mount Sinai and watched uh, videos on that, uh, it, it's, it's no doubt in my thing they found the real Mount Sinai. This is Mount Sinai in the Sinai Peninsula. It has nothing to do with, and I think it was... Uh, Constantine's mother who went there and said yep this is Mount Sinai and there it was because she's the emperor's mom and you don't argue with the emperor's mom so but it's nothing to do with that uh, but then if you watch this and you can see it on YouTube and you can see it for free it's called the real Mount Sinai if you look at this it is a desert wasteland it is it is barren it is desolate you couldn't have life there except factor in God he found him in a desert land, in the waste howling wilderness. And I looked at that and I said, well, that's an apt description if you watch this video. He led him about. He did that. He instructed him. He did that. He kept him as the apple of his eye. He did that. God did these things. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. These are beautiful words. Even a, you know, a caveman like me can appreciate the beauty of this eagle imagery. Uh, but here it says, the Lord did that. Only there was no strange God with him. Uh, so at Sinai, you know, uh, at... Uh, um, Moses is up in the, in the mount receiving the words of the Lord. And what's happening? The, the people are rebelling. They're having, a, they're having an, an orgy. I don't know how else to say it. It's not pretty. And God uh, patiently works with them, brings them back to himself. Uh, there was no strange God with him. I did this all by themselves. Now the Egyptians, they have a plethora of God, of gods. I think it's three times in the Old Testament said that God showed who was God when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and he pronounced judgment on the Egyptian gods. It, it clearly says that in a couple of Psalms and I think uh, I'm one of the prophets. I don't think it's Isaiah. Don't quote me on that. But you can look that up easily enough, right? Uh, I did this all by myself. There was no other gods. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. He made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. So even in wilderness, there's blessing. Butter of kine, milk of sheep, with fat of lambs and rams, of the breed of Bashan and goats, with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. Is this talking about What's already happened, because you'd have to go all the way back to the early times in Egypt, or back you know, to, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to see these blessings. Or is he talking about a future 
what's going to happen because God calls things that are not as though they were. And he talks in the future very often about what's going to happen as if, as if it's already happened because he's so certain. He's, he already knows the outcome. It's not like, boy, I wonder what's going to... He, he's prophesying. He's telling them the, this. You remember in the, when he's talking about the, the, the blessings and the cursings? And he talks about all the cursings. He says, yeah, all this stuff is going to happen because you're going to turn away from the Lord. He doesn't say, you shall, I'm going to make you turn away from the Lord. He just simply tells them what's, how it's going to be. So I don't know exactly, when you look at this 13 and 14, if he's talking about the future or talking about the far past, I don't know. Because I have a hard time you know, thinking of them uh, drinking the blood of the grape in the wilderness. There's no, there's no vines, there's no, there's no vineyards, okay? But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxed and fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Who's Jeshurun? Well, that's a pet name for the children of Israel. If you're thinking, if you're pregnant, you're thinking about your, your child's name. That's not, it's, it is a pet name and it's kind of a good name. It means favored one. But he's talking here like, okay, I have this favorite cat or puppy and I pampered it and I gave it all this good food and, and I took loving care of it. And instead of being a wonderful pet, it, 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 it became mischievous and, and, and rebellious, you know. And that's kind of the idea that's presented here. You know, uh, my, my pet waxed fat and kicked. Fatness in Scripture is very often, it's, it's, it's kind of a good thing and kind of a bad thing. Because it means like a blessing, an abundance of blessing. And then it means like, you know, when it's talking about your heart becomes fat. And it's, then you're, you're, you're not listening anymore. You're not hearing the Lord. You're not, there's a kind of a leanness of soul that causes you to, to look to the Lord. You know, and there's, there's a kind of a, a fatness that makes you kind of unusable. God wants to bless. Blessing is a test that we take from time to time. It's an easy test to take, but most of us fail it. <laughs> it really, really. Uh, struggle and uh, times of leanness and testing. Uh, it, it, um, when things are tough, that's also a test from God. It's a, it's a hard test to take, but most of us pass it. When things are happening way beyond your control, I don't know, but I, I suppose you're like me. When I'm in over my skis and I'm thinking, this is going sideways, I'm praying, Lord, help me out. I, I, I'm, I, I'm overwhelmed in this situation. And what happens? The Lord helps me out. Is, is that a big surprise to anybody? Because uh, he's there for us all the time. Uh, when I'm fat, dumb, and happy, and all blessing is going my way, that's a wonderful time. I love that. And I find that my amens are very close at hand. My prayer life is mediocre at best. I need some trouble in my life. Oh, God, uh, you know, smite me with uh, pestilence and curse. No, 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 I don't want that. I want to learn how to rely upon God even during the good times. Oh, they lightly esteem the rock of his salvation. 
oh, may we never forget that miry clay that he quarried us out of. We were, you know, he set our feet upon a rock. He, put, he, made a, he made us a new creation. He put a song of praise in our mouth, even unto our God. Uh, I look at my life, and I'm kind of glad of this, that I remember that my life without Jesus Christ was dog puke. It was horrible. It was, there was nothing commendable about it. Thank you, Jesus. On my way to hell, for sure. And he saved me. And you, you don't want to lightly esteem the rock of your salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations provoked they, uh, him to anger. That's the story of a lot of people's lives. Uh, the children of Israel here, but I see people turn from God. Were they really on board to begin with? Well, let God be their judge. They went out from among us, that it may be made evident they, that they weren't of us. That scripture has to mean something. And they go and they end up in other God's camps, and it's, 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 it's sad and it's strange to me. They sacrifice unto devils, because if you're not worshiping the God, the God of the Bible, you're sacrificing unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee, he's communicated to us as a rock in verse 4, in verse 18, other places, all through Scripture. It's one of the homework questions. Why is God compared to a rock? If I was compared to a rock, like in brightness, <laughs> you know, about as smart as some rocks I've known, I wouldn't count that as a blessing. So it really depends on what we're talking about. But what are we talking about? What is Moses talking about when he compares our God to a rock? Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. Abhorred is spurned. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. That reminds us like when Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? I was with some friends yesterday. I say we were four-wheeling, but we were in those side-by-sides, but side-by-siding isn't a thing, so four-wheeling. We went riding on trails up in uh, Eastbrook there where the windmills are. It was a good day. And we were talking about some of these things, and we were talking about this this very thing, uh, children in whom is no faith. And we talked about the mass exodus uh, from our churches nationwide. Uh, double digits. Uh, some as high as uh, estimates is 30 or 40% of uh, churches' uh, attendance uh, after the pandemic. Um, I'd say that's all true here. Uh, it's true in a lot of churches. Um, What's that all about? What's, what's, okay, we had a, a virus. A, is it a virus or a, I don't even know. COVID is a, what is it? A, it's a virus, yeah, okay. We had a virus and I'm not going to church again. <laughs> you never go in the store again. You never go in a school again. You never go in a, I mean, what, it, it, it's, to me, it's like uh, Jesus said that there would be times of great apostasy is the word. 
you know, it talks about in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 about the falling away. Apostasia. What did you expect the end times would look like? And by the way, you know what's kind of funny to me? I was thinking about this on the way down here. You're not those people. Yeah, I, I, we're always singing to the choir, you know what I mean? Uh, you, you know, you shouldn't follow. You didn't. You're here. And the people who I like to speak to aren't here. That's the whole problem with, with teaching the Word of God sometimes. When you want to rebuke somebody, you're not really the rebuke types. I, I don't, I'm not finding fault here. I'm not, you know, uh, uh, many people have fallen away. But you're not those people. Yay. Uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, but many have. Many have. And it's kind of a, it's a sad and it's a tragic thing. Uh, let them go. I don't care. Well, yeah. we do care. We do. We don't, it, there are friends. There are relatives. There are, there, you know, there used to be our, our brothers and sisters in church. And now they're kind of like a faithless generation, a, a froward generation, children in whom is no faith. That crushes me. You have no idea. That, uh, you probably have an idea. It probably has the same effect on you. And here, I just want to say that because this is full of pathos. And you think about, oh, those people way back there, 4,000 years ago, some of the children of Israel, they weren't as faithful as they should have been with the Lord. Well, think about, you know, this tribe or, or you know, this family, this it's, uh, it's tragic and it's sad. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Who do you suppose he's talking about? He's talking about the children of Israel. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provoke. They want to, they you know, play games. They want to step out on, on me and cheat on me. Well, you know what? Two can play at that game. I'll provoke them right back. I'll move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. Is that, who's that? Is that you? Is that me? Because I think so. Uh, it's all through the Old Testament. Um, you know, uh, when... God calls Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Not just Israel. Is, is, he, is he our father? Is he our... Yeah. Yeah, Galatians 3 kind of nails that down, doesn't it? And I don't want to go there because, you know, I get a lot of verses <laughs> to get through. But read that on your own. The blessings of Abraham devolve through... A certain seed, to wit, Jesus Christ. And the blessings of Abraham are ours in a very real, in a very tangible way. Scripture says that. So he's moving these people to jealousy. He's provoking them to anger with a foolish nation. <laughs> I've been called worse. I, I love it. Fool for Jesus Christ. I'm just, a, I'm just silly enough and foolish enough to believe everything God says. Uh, for a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell. That's the depths of Sheol. Uh, the place of the dead is what it's talking about. And shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. 
I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend mine arrows upon them. What is he talking about? I have no idea. Is this kind of like uh, tribulation stuff? The time of Jacob's trouble? I think that's, it kind of loans itself to that. They shall be burned with hunger, uh, devoured with burning heat, with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poisons, uh, the poison of serpents of the dust. Um, you know, one of the, uh, the seals are hunger, uh, you know, beasts of the earth destroying. And by the way, we think of beasts of the earth, you're thinking like polar bears or some apex predator or some like... A virus is a living thing. Just thought you'd like to know. And specifically, you know, that's one of the, the, the seals of the... Uh, one of the first of the six seals. Uh, the seven seals, but I mean... The seventh seal is the seven trumpet judgments. Of the six seals, one of them is pestilence. Read here, infectious diseases. Anyway, let's keep going. Verse 25, the sword without and terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. I said I would scatter them into corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. Did he scatter them in the corners? There's not a nation on earth that Jewish people haven't gone to during the, you know, the, dia the diaspora after AD 70 when the temple was leveled by the Romans and they were dispersed throughout the whole world. Is this a, a prophecy of that? Yeah, I think so. Um, were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, and lest they should say, our hand is high, and the Lord has not done all this. He said, what is that all talking about? Well, I would have removed them all together, but I was worried about that their enemies might have said it wasn't the Lord, it was us that did that. If the Holocaust was successful and all the Israel was wiped out, well, that would create a lot of problems, because there's some problems out there for the future, for, the, uh, for Israel, and uh, we'll talk about them. The next book we're going to get into is Romans. And you can start reading ahead and getting familiar with Romans. In the 9th, 10th, and 11th chapter, uh, there's three chapters in the book of Romans dedicated to Israel. And loosely, the past, present, and the future of Israel. And God has a future for Israel. Because the tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble, he, he's going to reach out to the nation. He's going to dispossess them of their hubris and pride and arrogance and bring them to an end of themselves. And at that time, they're going to turn to the Lord. Zechariah, they will look upon me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourneth for an only son. That's going to be realized. God has a future plan for them. Uh, so there is a, a problem with if, you know, if the Holocaust was realized and... and uh, uh, Hitler wiped out all the Jews. That's, that's a very theological can of worms. But, but God's saying here, you know, if I let them have their way, they would say, yeah, it wasn't the Lord, it was us, we're awesome. Will Iran have a nuclear weapon? Will Iran use this nuclear weapon and wipe out Israel? God said when I reestablish them, they'll never be moved again. I'm betting that 
just call me crazy. I'm going to step out on a limb. I'm going to prophesy it a little bit. I'm betting that when God has established Israel as a nation, that's already happened, 1948, May 14th, right? Older than any of us here. Uh, they've been around longer than any of us have been around. When God does that, they'll never be removed again. They'll never be not a nation again. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but look at God's promises are yea and amen. He doesn't just run off at the mouth. He says this is going to happen. And guess what? It happens only every time. Uh, I said I would scatter them into corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. Were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, lest they should say, our hand is high. The Lord hath not done this. Now we get it. Now you get it. Uh, the Lord hath not done all this. For they are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Boy, that's very true even today. I wouldn't say there isn't any. There are several people coming to the Lord these days of, of the nation of Israel. You know some of the names. Uh, they write books that are bestsellers and they have a following and they say things to us that we as the church have kind of lost some of the Jewishness of this word. And I think they really fill in a lot of the blanks and they kind of help us understand. And it's a real blessing to have them. But they're not very many of them. You could name them. But you could name them on a couple of hands. Maybe you'd have to count them on a toe or two. I don't know. But there's not that many of them uh, who are prominent, who are, have a following, who people are listening to, who we know who they are. Um, of that they were wise that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Uh, God said, you know, I'll put, uh, one of you will chase the, you know, put to flight a thousand and two shall put ten thousand to flight. How come, by the way, it's not one will put to flight a thousand, two will put to flight two thousand? It doesn't work that way, does it? God, his math is strange and wonderful all at once. There's a multiplication of, of God like that. Uh, how could they do that outside of God, outside of their rock? God, again, he's a rock. Uh, their rock is not as our rock, Okay. You went in and you wiped out this nation. You know, you can see this all through the Old Testament. Ahab goes and he fights against uh, the Syrians, wipes them out, and says, oh my goodness, I love that altar. We're going to make a copy of that and bring it down to, you know, Samaria. You just defeated their God. Their God is no God. He couldn't even rescue them. Now you're going to make an altar and do obeisance and offer sacrifice under that God who couldn't even rescue their own people? Hello, where's the thought process here? And God's calling them on it and saying, that's, that's ridiculous. Their rock is not as our rock. Ask for a blessing by another God and see what happens. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't want you to mess with demons. And Their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. 
their clusters are bitter. I think vine should almost be, well, it shouldn't be capitalized, but he's talking about, their, you know, uh, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. So think about it as, as their vine as a person, small g God, a demon. Their vine is of the vine of Sodom. Hmm, interesting in America right now. We're going to talk about homosexuality in a couple of weeks when we get into Romans. It'll be a, it won't be the first week. There's introductory stuff and stuff. We're going to go slow through Romans. We're going to make sure we get it and we get a good grasp of it. But we're going to get to chapter 1. The judgment on a society that's turned against God is homosexuality. Scripture says it. Well, Adam, you're a homophobe. No, I'm a Bible teacher. And I'm not afraid, God forbid, that I should ever be afraid to preach the word of God. I know. I know where you live. I know your friends. You say, I think homosexuality is a sin. You ain't getting invited to no parties. And all the people on Facebook are going to, you're going to get thrown off Facebook. You're going to get deplatformed. People will hate you. They will just, and that's how it is. Their vine is the vine of Sodom. Interesting. And of the fields of Gomorrah, their grapes are grapes of gall, bitterness, uh, poison, right? And their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons. You can read here demons if you want. And the cruel venom of asps, nasty snakes that kill you to death. Uh, symbolic of Satan, who, when we first meet him, what is he? He's a serpent, right? in early chapters of Genesis. Is not this laid up in store with me and sealed up among my treasures? To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. Anyone ever read the transcript? You didn't hear it because it was a long, long time ago. Unless somebody's read the transcript and you've downloaded it off some LibriVox or some sermon audio. Sin is in the hands of an angry God by uh, Jonathan Edwards, early, early preacher in, the, in America. His text, Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, their foot shall slide in due time. You talk about fire and brimstone. There were people, he, he, it, was, it was at night, he read it by candlelight without any great uh, emotion or just read it. He had wrote it out, he read it, and there were people calling out for salvation. And, you know, people thought that their foot was actually sliding off into hell, and it was quite a, you can read about what happened, and uh, it, it, was, it was something else. It was one of those, you know, God showed up and did a work. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't teach like that, I wouldn't preach like that, I wouldn't, uh, uh, but it, it was a time, I think, when God said, okay, Jonathan, go get them. Tell them, you know, you're headed for a heap of trouble. and Don't make it pretty. And, uh, and people turn to the Lord. I, I don't want to be... I think hard words make soft people. I think soft words make hard people. That's why I want to go verse by verse and say what Scripture says. And I think you'll come out the right kind of people. Not too hard, not too soft. I don't want to... You know, I don't want to editorialize. I want, if it's a hard scripture, let's, let's make it hard, okay? Let's not change it up and try to make it, you know. I don't play patty cake. I don't want to, I don't want to play games. I don't want to, 
I, I want to, you know, teach what God's Word says. I think it's kind of very important. To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Right? Their foot shall slide in due time. I think a lot of times I see, and I talk with people who are sinning, and I call them on it, not so often, but sometimes. Well, God's blessing me. He's blessing my bid business. You're just running out of real estate. You just, you just, there's a, a time when God's going to, he disciplines those he loves. He, to me, belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. You know, you uh, go against the Lord. You know what happened more often than not? Blessing. Because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, or should, and God will try to bless us back to himself. Why? Because he's a loving heavenly father. He loves us. But we always misread that as permission to do more sin. And that's the problem. And then at some point he lowers the boom. Praise God, because we come back, hopefully. But I see people who run, after, run through stop sign after stop sign after stop sign, and every time you think, well, they, this, they hit bottom. There's no bottom. They just grab the shovel and start digging new bottom. It's crazy to me. Uh, and they, never, they always misinterpret what God's trying to do in their life. For the Lord shall judge his people. We're not talking about his adversaries here. We're talking about his people. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Yeah, we got time. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going through Hebrews with Chuck Missler, uh, 6640. One of my early professors. Uh, I've, I've always been a, a devotee of Chuck Missler. He's gone on to his reward, but his words are still around. And he's, he's teaching through Hebrews, and he got through Hebrews chapter 12. And I was listening uh, verse 7 of Hebrews 12, if you're there, good. If you're not, you can just listen. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Right? There's no, there's no, God doesn't have any kids who he doesn't chasten. Oh, I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm, I'm living the life. He doesn't need to chasten me. That may be true. That may be true. I don't think it was always true. And I don't think it will always be true. You might be in that season where you're, you're really doing what God's called you to do and you're not stepping out of bounds in any way. But it's, it's not true of your whole Christian experience. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. He's the word uh, bastard in the sense of illegitimacy. You're not, you're not really his sons. You're illegitimate children. If you're without chastisement, you're without punishment. Not punishment, chastisement. Correction is the idea. Punishment is pu to punish. It's punitive. Uh, correction here, uh, chastisement, is he's trying to build children. We don't just take our children and whip them. Well, unless you're a crazy person. But a, a, a spanking in due season is... You know, me and Suze, we always joke about, like, you know, a lot of parents are real reticent about spanking their children. Well, if you've got a 12-year-old daughter, be red very reticent. 
but a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old will slap on the back of the hand or that well-pampered backside, makes a loud noise, doesn't really hurt them, shows disapproval, and it's a very good teaching aid. Me and Susan always say, you know, if, if you're not willing to you know, spank your children, that's a, that's a service we provide. It's a ministry we always involve us. Of course we don't. Of course we don't. We're never spanking anybody. My goodness, can you imagine such a thing? Uh, but I like to joke about it, though, because, you know, uh, I, I think of some children, I'm thinking, my goodness, they are desperately need a little bit of correction in their life. You know, nobody here, nobody here. I'm not thinking of somebody here and I'm... Okay, okay, we all cool with that? I'm just thinking this has happened in the past, and some people, they just let their kids just go crazy. Now, to be sure, when the kids are running up and down the aisles here before and after church, I have no problem with kids, because they, you know, oh, we love this church, we get to run around, and they're thinking like, praise the Lord, because I'm not like, this is the sanctuary of the Lord, I'm not that guy at all. So kids being kids is wonderful. Kids being belligerent and snotty and arrogant, they need a firm hand, you know what I mean? They need someone to bring them up short. Anyway, uh, I'm, getting far, I'm getting far afield. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? You see the, 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 the logic here, it's crystal clear. For they verily, our dads, for they verily for a few days chastened, up that, chastened us after their own pleasure. They smacked us because whatever, you know. Uh, um, but he, God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And on it goes. Back to Deuteronomy. So God knows how to spank his children. Praise his holy name. Because it brings about really good things in our lives. Oh, it doesn't seem at the time. You know, oh, yay, praise the Lord. It's grievous. But afterwards... Okay. Uh, where are they? Uh, for the Lord shall judge his people and repent himself for his servants when he seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. Verse 37 He shall say, Where are their gods? Their rock in whom they trusted. Which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. You say you believe in this God? Well, Bring them on. Let's, let's have it. Let's, let's see now that I, even I am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. What is God saying when he says, I lift up my hand to heaven? He's taking an oath. He's putting himself under an oath. Okay? I lift up my hand to heaven, God says, and I say, I live forever. There's no other. I am he. There is no God with me. Wouldn't he know? So here he is, center of the universe, looking, purveying, looking over the whole thing. Nope, no gods. I'm the only one. How could we say elsewise? We're not in a position to do that. 
I lift my hand to heaven, I say, I live forever. If I whet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance for mine enemies and I will reward them that hate me. Oh, you want to stand against me, do you? That's a bad idea. Just saying. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood. My sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. We don't have to wait for the time of Jacob's trouble because that sounds very Armageddon-ish. But long before that, God, you know, they're going to come into the land of promise and people stand against God. Now the Gibeonites, even in the deception, pretty clever. Rahab, godly. Woman of faith. He's saying, Adam, she's a prostitute. She's a prostitute of faith. Remarkable story. Maybe we'll get into it sometime. Stand against God. This is a zeitgeist. Again, when we're talking about this yesterday, this is a zeitgeist. Antichrist zeitgeist all over the earth. And if you haven't noticed that, well, God bless you. You're living in some kind of godly bubble that you never come out of and wonderful. Uh, but if you read and you notice and you hear there's whole parties in America that are against God. There are whole sections, there are whole education system, the justice system, certainly the Oval Office, certainly both houses. There's a zeitgeist. We hate God. We're not going to do what he says. We're in rebellion. Let everyone know it. Tell us how many genders there are. Tell us who we can marry, who we can't, who does he think he is. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood. My sword shall devour flesh, and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Go ahead and stand before God, if, against God if you want. I'm just saying, it's not going to go well. It never does. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, and he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and be merciful unto his land and to his people. I want to be on team Jesus. Moses came and spake all the words of this song in the ears of the people, he and Hosea, the son of Nun. What is it like, a duet? Did they sing them or did they say them? I don't know. They don't know. But Moses said all the words, okay? This is it. It's all recorded for us here. He and Hosea. Hosea, you know him better as Joshua. He's still the son of Nun, right? alternate variant of his name, that's all. And Moses made an end of speaking all these words to all Israel. He finished. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do, all the words of this law. For it is not a vain thing for you, because it is your life. And through this thing you shall prolong your days in the land whither you go, but you are to possess it. Do these things, you'll live, you'll live a long time, you'll prosper, it'll go really well. Oh, fight against me on this, it's just a bad idea. And the Lord spake unto Moses that self same day, saying, Get thee up into the mountain, Abiram, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho, it's opposite Jericho, you can see Jericho from here. He's like so close he can taste it. It's like the promised land. Here it is. He ain't going in. 
And behold the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for possession. So he gets to see it, but he doesn't get to go in. Now, before you think God is overly harsh, we talked about this a little last week. We'll visit here again. He does get to see it. You remember the Mount of Transfiguration, anyone? He gets to sneak in, okay? God's, God's good. Will he live there during the millennial kingdom? I think so. Okay, so it's not like, you know, because I, I think a lot of times God, God gets, you know, well, let's keep reading it because I want to I make a point here. You're going to see it. And, you, and die in the mountain whither thou goest up, and be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Horn, was gathered unto his people. Moses has people he's going to be gathered unto. I think that's a wonderful thing, by the way. There's got, some have gone on ahead. It's when I die, I'll be with family. With my family? <sighs> that's another story for another time. With my church family, with my brothers and sisters in Christ, He's taken the, you know, the, the, the orphan, he's put them in families. I, have a, I don't have a spiritual heritage. My late greats have gone on before me. I don't know any of them are Christians. Um, Mom and dad had eight who had some, who had some, who had some, okay? A family tree is like when mom and dad were praying for their children, their spouses, their children, their spouses, and their children. It's four generations, oh my God. We're talking like 157 people last I knew. It's a big number. So who was saved among them? Uh, me, Suze, Micah, Felicia, <laughs> Noah. I think I named them all, didn't I? <laughs> it's... it's so I'm going to die, and there's going to be no, no one there with my last name. Oh, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. There'll be all kinds of, I'm going to be gathered unto my people just like you're going to be gathered unto your people. Moses got people he's gathered unto. You, you're not going to make it into the promised land. Because you trespass against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, because you sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Israel. I'm going to make one or two more points. Stay with me. You can't go in because of what you did at Meribah Kadesh. Okay, Meribah, strife. Kadesh, holiness. You remember Kadesh, Barnea? Kadesh, holiness. Barnea, barrenness, wilderness, wasteland. It's a place of choice, okay? When you're at Kadesh, Barnea, you want holiness or you want barrenness? Go into the land, wipe them out. Now is the time. No, there's giants. We can't have it. Okay, 30 years in the, 38 more years in the wilderness, barrenness. No fruit, no, you're going to, it's a 38-year death march. You're going to be walking around, kicking dust, swatting flies till you're all dead. Okay? I know what I mean when I say barrenness. Here, Meribah barrenness, uh, Meribah uh, Kadesh, holiness or strife and quarreling, that's what Meribah means. Um, he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Now, he did a very bad thing. You think of him, he struck the rock and water came out and fed the people. That was a wonderful, glorious thing. So he's kind of defaulted to that. God said, hey, go speak to the rock. Listen, if you spoke to the rock, it's a picture of 
the first coming of Jesus Christ, where you smote the rock and the blessings flowed, and now the second coming of Jesus Christ, where you speak to the rock and the blessings flowed. Do you know that it says in the kingdom age, when you pray, your prayers will be answered as you're speaking them. You speak to the rock. When Jesus comes back, is he going to be smitten? Uh, no. Are you going to pull the beard out of his face? No. Is he going to give his back to the smiters? No. Crown of thorns? I don't think so. Oh no, when Jesus comes back, he's a glorious warrior. Oh, those, there will be those who oppose him and fight him, but I would recommend strongly against it. Moses messed up the picture. There's a lot of pictures going on all the time. And I said last week, the picture was, and I stand by this, okay? God's saying you can't go in because what happened at Meribah. I think the deck is, deck is stacked against Moses. Moses is the lawgiver. You following the law will never get you to the promised land. You will never inherit your promises by keeping the law. They don't come that way. They come by following Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus will take you into your promised land. He will give you the inheritance. He will get you to lay hold of the things for which he laid hold of you. He will lead you in the spirit-filled life. Will keeping the law lead you in the spirit-filled life? You can't even keep the law. Listen, look at There's nobody in the world who can keep the law. Can I point it out to you? How was your Yom Kippur? Just went by a couple weeks ago. How was your Yom Kippur observance? Did you do the two goat thing with the high priest in the temple that doesn't exist? There's no high priest. Did you do that? You didn't keep the law. You can't keep it. You can't even keep the law that says, Pick one of ten. You can't do them. Jesus knew that. And the law is very important to drive us to the Savior. It's a wonderful law. I have nothing against the law. The problem with the law is you. It's me. We can't keep it. And if we try to keep it, you're not going to end up in your promised land. Look, you want to keep the promises of God? Follow hard after Jesus Christ. Have an incredible, loving relationship with him. Be obsessed with Jesus. Love Jesus. Your whole life is about Jesus. You'll inherit the promises. He's going to lead you and you get the promise. The whole word, word of God is promises. Promise for this. Promise for that. Promise for this. You're not going to get there by obeying your mom and dad. Now, I think it's wonderful I, I, I think you should honor your parents. I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm against the fact that people are trying to go about. Look, at you, you talk to people every day. I'm going to heaven. I'm a good person. <laughs> no, one, no, you're not. Two, that's not how you get to heaven. I don't know why you think that. Here, so I think the... No, so if you come and say, Adam, I think Moses couldn't go to the promised land because of Meribah and what happened there and he smote the rock. I, I agree, I agree 100%. No argument. Read the book with the picture language intact. Oh, it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing. You, you'll see so many things. I, and I try to develop those and bring them out as we go along. You didn't sanctify me in the midst of the children of Israel. You misrepresented me. By the way, this is very, very serious. You, God, oh, must we get water for this rock? Mo, chill. I'm not mad at them. They want water. And when you misrepresent God as this vengeful, horrible, you know, I, I always try to tell you he's our loving Heavenly Father. I want you to understand who God is. 
Well, you stand against him. I, I, I say that's not a place you want to be. He's not to be trifled with. So I try to represent him. Boy, it's very hard. I just try to tell you what the Word says about him, and I don't try to imprint my own stuff on it. You know what I mean? I might get my own biology involved. It's very difficult. It really is. But it's, it's something that we have to do. We have to know him better. We have to be able to represent his ambassadors. He doesn't have any other ambassadors. Just you, just me. Think about it. And, and all that name the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, you understand. Yet, you're not going to go there. Yet, verse 52, thou shalt see the land before thee, but thou shalt not go thither into the land which I give to the children of Israel. Now even God saying this, I think he's like a little wink, wink, you know. Don't worry, we'll get you in there. Because he does. And just understand, you know, there's, a, there's, there's something, some stuff going on here. But at the end of the day, Moses is excluded from the promised land forever and ever and ever. And during the millennial kingdom, he's the governor of Moab, okay? He, can't, he can be over in Moab and look across, but he can No, no, no. I, I, I think not. I may, I may be going out on a limb here, but I think he's going to be living in Jerusalem. You'll see him. You'll meet him. That'll be cool. Moses, get to meet Moses. Oh, you're going you're to come from the east and the west, and you're going to sit down with Abraham and Jacob. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have a great feast. I think you'll know them. I think you'll know them on the first name basis. I think they'll know you. Story for another time. Our time is spent. Worship please come at this time. So we set ourselves up for chapter 33 and chapter 34. More important stuff happening next time. Stand, please, and we'll... Uh, We'll pray. We'll go out here with the, with the blessing. Father, your word is a blessing. None can deny. Uh, it's uh, our, very, our very food. It's what we need, Lord. Make us wise. Help us to get it, to understand it, to love it, to revel in it, to obey it. Uh, and Lord, to espouse it to all those who would listen. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.